ready, go. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. Your presence is so, so here this morning. I just pray that I would just fade out and your word would go forth and accomplish that for every person you have here and what you want to tailor make for them. Father, I just say that I am yours this morning. And if you want to adjust anything or emphasize anything, I'm, I'm willing, Father, and we're open to hear from you this morning. So we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So at our team meeting Tuesday night, I shared a little inspirational charge about roots and fruit. Okay? So we talked a little bit about that. I'm going to carry on with that message today. For those of you who are at the team meeting, I'm sorry, but you get a double portion this morning. And you know what? A lot of a pastor's job and a leader's job is just to repeat things. I could say, I do it to my kids all the time, right? You say the same things over and over until they catch it. So this will be something that will, yeah, that'll be good for the hearer, no matter if you've heard it once, twice, three times. So where are your roots from? You know, if someone say, where are your roots? Where did you come from? Where's your family from? We all have a story, right? You might think, well, I was on, in this place for a season, and then we moved there. But even for me, I was born in Stockholm, Sweden. My parents were missionaries there. Then we went to Northern California, Colorado. But I would say my roots are Palm Springs, California. We lived a longer time there. We really set down roots there as a family. Really, like, I feel like that's where my roots are. I heard an illustration by a, a great pastor named Jensen Franklin. He shared this, in, um, this illustration talking about a tree or a bush. In every tree or bush, there is this place called the Meristem line. The Meristem line is, you could notice it if you were to cut into it, into a tree. It's very, there's a variation in color at the Meristem line, and it flows through the, the whole plant or bush or tree, and at this point, there's a decision made where the tree or bush will take the nutrients it's given and will decide, I'm going to be part of the root system or I'm going to be part of the fruit that's going up. And that decision is made at this line. Our bodies do that as well. When a mom is forming a baby in her body, the cells are told, okay, you're going to be a heart cell. You're going to be an ear cell. And you know the dangerous cells are the cells that are undesignated. You've heard this. They can turn into disease, cancer cells, if they're not designated. It's the same thing at the meristem. It's a deciding point, a point of decision. Am I going to be root? Am I going to be fruit? Am I going to be a heart cell? Am I going to be an ear cell? The Bible says in Psalm 92, 13, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. I want to talk to you this morning about the roots and fruit of our life and the decision line we all have to walk in. Just like the Meristem line on the planter bush, you and I had a decision line. Do you remember the day you heard God call you by name? When salvation came to you, therefore, just as you received Christ the Lord, so walk with him, it says in second or in Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk with him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. There was initially in your life a positional rooting in salvation. This rooting 
put you in Jesus Christ and makes you a new creature. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. After salvation, you will begin to root yourself in Christ that you will begin to have um, disciplines that enable you to be a strong and fruit-bearing Christian. Praying, we do that, amen? Reading the word. Here at The Rock, we have in our journals uh, an acronym. It's SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. So we write that in our Bibles. We journal in our Bibles. When I was growing up, my dad, my dad and mom are here. Uh, my dad taught me there was the four R's, read, reflect, respond, record. And that's how we did our Bible reading. But those were habits and disciplines that we were taught as Christians to help us root in our faith. And it's almost like when you would get in the habit of praying or reading your Bible, you could almost see roots like gripping into the earth. You know what I mean? You know when a plant, if you could fast forward it and watch the process of roots, it would just surge out a little bit as you fortify yourself in the word of God and in prayer. And then they're sharing your faith. I tell you what, nothing has solidified my faith and my Christian walk by proclaiming my testimony or my story to someone I didn't know when I was uncomfortable. When you name the name of Christ and it makes you a little nervous, that will grow roots into your story, into your life as a Christian. I remember being a camp counselor in the in Eagle Lake Mountain in Colorado Springs, and it was the first place I ever led anyone to the Lord, and she was an eight-year-old. She was in my tent. Her name was Molly, and she was from the Carolinas. And I remember sitting there as a 19-year-old student leading eight-year-old Molly to Jesus, and she was just looking. I was so thrilled. It was like roots were growing out of my feet while I was ministering to her into the earth, into God's kingdom by sharing my faith. It's a powerful thing. This week even, I was driving home from Costco because I have a lot of kids and we shop at Costco. And I was driving home. I see this young man crossing the street across, um, what is the street there? Yes, thank you, locals. Camino Capistrano. And I just watched him walk across the street, and I saw the word loser just over his head. Spiritually, not like there was a literal sign, but my spirit felt like loser. And I said, why did I think loser? And God showed me he's been called a loser his whole life, and I want you to go and tell him he's not a loser. In fact, he is remarkable in me. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that, Lord, you know, like a good Christian, right? I'm not going to do that. I got my groceries in the trunk. He's going to think I'm weird. He's now through a parking lot, so it's like an empty parking lot. He's going to think, who's this crazy lady following me in her SUV? But I did it because I'm realizing as I grow in Christ, obedience to the things of God release something that you, nothing else produces in your life. Roots, fruit, the good stuff comes on the other side of obeying the voice of God. And I spent enough time not heeding his voice. So I've learned, you said it, I'm going to do it. So I start following this guy in the parking lot. He's looking back, and I'm just creeping towards him. And then I wave at him. I said, come here. He thought I was waving for him to go in front of my car. I said, no, come here. His name was Joshua, and his hair was in corn rolls, and he had his Beats headphones. He's like, takes his headphones off. He's like, yeah. And I said, what's your name? He said, Joshua. I said, this is going to sound crazy, but I saw you walking across the street, and the Lord just, God just put in my heart that you've been called a loser. And his face just dropped. 
And he looked at me and I said, I don't know who called you a loser, but God sent me to come and tell you that you're not, that you're remarkable in him and he has a destiny and a plan for your life. And he said, this is crazy. I said, you think this is crazy? Imagine me seeing, you know? And so we're laughing and he's saying, this is crazy. I said, you have a destiny. Who's praying for you? I said, who is the grandma or the mama that's been praying for you? He said, my mom. She's my rock. She's been praying for me. And I said, someone loves you. And then the Lord said, because I used to be gripped with a fear of lack of money. I've told you guys that. I will continue to testify that because the Lord has set me free. So I, God always deals with me on my point of my greatest fear. He delivered me, so he tests me. So he said, give him the money in your wallet and tell him you're planting a seed into his destiny. So I go in my wallet. I said, Joshua, I got to sow a seed into you. I got to tell you that to keep the right path and go after the things of God. And he said, this is wild. And I said, yeah, I know. And then I videotaped him. I said, talk into my phone so I can remember you and pray for you. And the spirit of God was on this young man. And he just said, God just met me today. He encouraged me to resist the negative, to go after the positive. And then I just said, okay, have a good day. And I drove off. And you guys, I got back to my house. And there was, there's never a feeling like it. In all my life, promotion, marriage, babies, I'm telling you, doing the will of the Father, it's like I, I grew deep in him. Right then and there, just letting my life not be about, you know, my Costco groceries, but being willing to be interrupted. God will interrupt you because he's trying to vessel to you a strength and a root system that comes through sharing your faith with others, wherever it might be. Amen? There's your initial position, rooting in salvation. The rooting puts you in Jesus Christ and makes you a new creature. Once you're in Jesus Christ, John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. We almost need to be botanists to understand the Bible now. You see weaved all throughout the scripture these stories, plants, sowing, reaping. It's fascinating. Getting rooted in Christ. Read um, out of Mark 4, verses 1 through 9 the parable of the sower. And again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depths of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Get rooted in Christ. Roots downward bear fruit upward. Get roots downward that bear, bears fruit upward upward. Get rooted in God's house and his family. So we're rooted positionally in Christ. That is salvation. We grow in our salvation by reading of the word, prayer, and sharing our faith with, faith with others. And then we get rooted in his body, in his local church. I shared at the team night on Tuesday 
that being rooted in the local church is God's brilliant plan to support one another as we grow roots downward and bear fruit upward. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to get up in each other's faces more. You know what I mean? We need to be up close and personal. I know you can hear on podcasts nowadays the greatest preachers in the whole world by the click of a mouse you can have them in your ears but you will need more than that to support you to bear fruit upward let me tell you you will need the body of Christ you know when you were little and your parents would say now don't get in with the wrong crowd right well I want to tell you the right crowd is the church the right crowd is the body of believers you want to become wise you hang out with the wise you want to become a fool you hang out with the fools the body of Christ is a established to strengthen one another, to bear fruit upwards and root downward. That is why we are here. We need one another to pull each other up in times. I have never been so awakened, so loved, so seen as I have been being planted in this particular church, the Rock South County. There are people in your midst. They are angels. They are people that will walk towards you. If you will let yourself be known, they will bless your they will bless your face off. That's a that's like a new term. Joel and I met this young girl at a store and we were just vibing with her like you're a Christian and we began to minister to one another and as we were leaving she said, "You just bless my face off." She's from Tennessee. So let's bless each other's faces off. You know what I mean? We need to get in each other's face. It's a lie. Bring me that tree. You know the bonsai tree is a dwarfed tree. Do you know that this doesn't this look like a mature tree, but it's dwarfed. Do you know how they keep the bonsai tree dwarfed? They continually prune its root system. They're always cutting its roots so that it never reaches reaches its full potential. And the enemy has been doing that to a lot of Christians. Every time you start to bear some roots, he will trim you back. He will destroy you. He's got a good pair of shears. He's got some pruning tools and he is after your root system. And I'm telling you, you got to link arms with the body of Christ because he will come for us. But when you've bore roots downward and you're bearing fruit upward, it's hard to pull you out. Uh, It is hard to pull you out when you have strong roots. When we were moving here from Fullerton, there was this plant that um, one of my friends in Seal Beach said, get me one of those plants before you leave that house. They grow wild there. Our original owner of that house was a landscape architect. And I said, I'll get you one of these plants. So I went to try and get her this plant. These plants are 60 years old. It took me an hour to get. The roots were so strong. It was fighting me. It was fighting me to come out of the ground. I had to get our gardener, Antonio. Can you come help me? He had the right tools. But I'm telling you, you have an adversary, but he can't get out those strong roots. And you're strengthened with one another. Amen? Get up in each other's faces. As a side note, as soon as we saw the introduction of the touchscreen, you know, like our phones, the touchscreen. I'm not talking about media because we would have seen this 50 years ago if it was just TV. But when the touchscreen was introduced, it's showing us that there is a marked decrease in empathy, morality, and perceiving emotions. You know, perceiving emotions takes looking someone in the face. There's this thing called mirroring. Whereas if I'm telling, having a conversation with Joel 
and I'm upset. If we're having this conversation on the phone, it doesn't have the power for mirroring. But when I'm in his presence and he sees my face and how his words are affecting me and my words are affecting him, something is transpiring between us that we need. It's called empathy. It's perceiving emotions. And we have lost that because on Facebook, you can give your opinion and you don't see how the other person's face looks when it's receiving those harsh words. And people are destroying and decimating each other. And your opinion, you can say it wherever you want. And not people are having fights over text message. Do you know what I mean? You'll text some rude response. And you don't even see the face of that person receiving that. They're, we're losing empathy, morality, and the ability to perceive emotions. That's why we need to get in each other's presence. We need to bless each other's faces off. We need to, to be together. Do not forsake assembling together. Stir one another up. There's a power in the presence of your fellow believers. When you throw those opinions out on the internet, you don't see the emotions or how that affects someone. We need to be together. We need to be empathetic and work on those things. We're in a different generation. But do you think God is shocked? Do you think when he said in Psalm 92, be planted in the house of God and flourish in her courts? Do you think he was wondering, would this be relevant in 2018? He knew more than ever that your need to be planted in this place, your need to be rooted in other people, to be in with the right crowd. When you grow up without roots, you think that tumbleweed living is, is normal but it's not normal. I read this book, these notes from this book by Eddie Hilburn. He wrote this book about essentially tumbleweed living is what he talked about. He says in this book, for a long time, I didn't recognize my own rootless condition. When you grow up without roots, you think tumbleweed living is normal. It may be common, but it's not normal. God created us to grow roots. He created us to grow roots. As a child, I instinctively began to grow roots, only to be uprooted at every turn. This is so sweet. I remember one of the best seasons of my childhood, he says. It began in first grade and continued halfway through second grade. Tim Owens was my best friend. My best friend from seventh grade was in first service today, 30 years she was here for service. She said, I never seen you teach. She's like, I didn't used to think women should teach, but I believe it now. That's a, she, we just made a believer. We just, we champion women in this house. If you've been in a church that doesn't believe in women, but you're a woman that's called, be in a church that believes in women. We are that. Yes. Tim Owens was my best friend, he says. During this season, I attended a small country church with my grandmother every Sunday for a year. I knew because I received a perfect attendance certificate. My Sunday school teacher told me how great it was that I attended even when others didn't. I felt special. I felt valued. I was also during this season that our family bought a house with some acreage and a lake. I loved that place, he said. I played in the woods. I built a teepee and pretended to be an early Native American, living in my wit and skills and as an outdoorsman. He's in second grade here. I helped my dad drain the lake so we could refill it with bass. Like we could um, restock it with bass. Life was great. I enjoyed everything, he says, and I was secure. Can you see the ro roots growing as I'm talking? Can you see what is happening in this life of this little boy? Halfway through my second grade year, my parents told me they were getting a divorce. 
I moved and attended four schools by the end of second grade, and I was uprooted. This is a lot of people's story. Even as I'm sharing that, I felt the Holy Spirit, as I was preparing this message last night, talk about the uprootedness that many of you have felt and how hard it is to really root in Christ and root in things because you, you see tumbleweed living as, as normal, but it's not normal. It may be common, but it's not normal. God intended you to bear roots, to have roots in things. And he is reminding you this morning, and I'm going to share it out of Isaiah, that he wants to, you to grow roots again in him, in his local church. I mean, people get, give the church such a bad rap. They're like, well, I got hurt in the church. If you're afraid of being hurt, you don't, need, don't go to work. Don't go to the store. Don't hang out with any humans. If it's really the church, or is this just life? But God is saying, I'm going to bear some roots in you. So when the things come at you, you're not going to be toppled over. Look at this. Put that picture up of Biosphere 2. Listen to this. Um, an experiment was done in the Arizona desert called Biosphere 2. The goal was to create a perfect growing condition for trees. There it is. It's a huge glass dome. In this perfect growing condition, fruits and vegetables as well as humans could live. The huge dome was constructed to, house to make it an artificial, controlled environment with purified air, water, healthy soil, and filtered life filtered light. For many months at a time, people lived in the biodome and everything seemed to be going well. Except one thing was happening. When the trees grew to a certain height, they would topple over. It baffled the scientists until they realized they forgot to include the natural element of wind. Trees need wind to blow against them because it causes their root system to grow deeper, which supports the tree as it grows taller. I know I sensed as I was researching this that many of us, we want to live in the biodome, you know? We want comfort. We want ease, artificial light, everything good, perfect temperature. But God is saying the wind coming at you in various ways is not to be despised. Could it be fashioning and forming something in you that causes your root system to be so strong that you are fortified and growing tall, not toppling over every time something comes your way? We need to get tougher. Amen. God has created and will send these things to us. We want people saying, you have nice roots. Wouldn't that be a nice compliment, a good pickup line? You have nice roots. Trees need wind to blow against them. When we live this way, when we make this our goal of perfect conditions, when hardship comes our way, we search for the quickest way out. We want the path of least resistance. Just get me out of this mess, God. Our prayers are always centered around comfort and ease. You know what I mean? When do we pray audacious prayers? Make me a force against darkness, God. Use my life disproportionate to who I am. Transform my family for the glory and honor of the kingdom. I remember about 27 years old, we were pastoring the church in Seal Beach, and I remember standing before the Lord and just being sick and tired of no power, you know? I wanted some power, so I started to pray this prayer very faithfully. Lord, whatever you see fit to pass before my life to make me more useful for you, you let it come. And I just opened myself wide. And you know what happened right away? The church was going through some struggle. My dad got diagnosed with cancer. They were in Seattle. Some stuff came my way. But you know what? 
I, you, do you see the trees fighting the wind? Do you see a tree like, no, no, no. They just bend. They just bend, knowing that something is being produced in the wind that you cannot produce any other way. It says that. Where is that? Mm, I'm just having so much fun. I'm Preach. I've never seen a tree resisting the wind or pushing back. It bends and moves. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but a, for a moment, is working for us a more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. But our light affliction, you want to know one guarantee? It shall come to pass. All the wind ends up dying down. But if you will stand tall and let it have its way, this light affliction will produce for you and work in you a more exceeding weight of glory. Ephesians 3.17 says this, So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, being what? Rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and all the height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the goodness of God. God is so faithful. He wants us to be rooted in him. He is about our root system. Bear roots downward and fruit upward. We know we have an enemy. We know he's working against us. We know he's coming at our root system. He doesn't want you planted in the house of God. He wants you tossed to and fro, isolated, living in biosphere too, afraid of the world. No, we run at the giants of our day. We come out from hiding. We gather and assemble with other believers. We make ourselves vulnerable to people. We call it as it is. The Bible says in the message, come out into the light of day. God will validate you. He'll take care of you. We don't need to preserve and protect ourselves. No biosphere, too, for the Rock South County. We're living large in his wide, wide open expanse, fully trusting our Redeemer, our Rewarder, to protect us as we bear roots downward. Get together with, with each other. Get in each other's faces. Bless each other's faces off. Now, September 26th, we read our Bibles. So we were September 26th. We were in Isaiah. This is my favorite book of the Bible, if you care. I love this book. It's a prophetic book. I'm, I, I'm always in Isaiah. It's like I try and get away from it, but I'm just drawn there. So as I was reading this in Isaiah, this was before I heard the message Jensen Franklin shared about the Maristem, you know, and the point of decision. It says in Isaiah chapter 37, Verse 31, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again, shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Now, here's a people that had been oppressed, and now they're free, and they're out in their land. And, and here it's saying, you are not under that awful king anymore, and now you're free. And it's saying, again, it's telling them again, maybe you lost your roots like they did. Maybe things had been uprooted and God is telling them, you shall again bear roots downward and bear fruit upward. This was a promise. This was a prophetic utterance over these people that had been displaced and tossed to and fro. And God was saying, again, you're going to put down roots and bear fruit. I loved this so much because I believed prophetically that there were people in our midst that said, I don't know if I can 
bear roots down again. I feel like the guy, that little boy who, you know, just lived a life of being uprooted continually, that it was scary to imagine putting down roots. And God is saying, it's time. I want you to, again, put down roots. And I don't know in your midst what that means for you. Maybe it's being making a decision. You're at the decision line, even about being planted in this church. This church has such a significant destiny. And when you're with these believers, you catch it. This is not an ordinary work. This is something so significant. It keeps me up at night. I am wrecked for the ordinary. I believe that he's raising up an army of people that are going to take a territory. We will see thousands of people born again, just justified to Christ, washed, healed, sanctified, delivered. We're going to see it with our eyes. I'm, I just want you to be a part of it. I want you to lock arms with your fellow Christians. We're headed upward. We're going upward. And you have to tell yourself, we're no bonsai trees. We're righteous oaks. We're big trees. We're mighty. And if you stick around here long enough, these people will take you upwards. If you're feeling down, they'll help you go up. Amen. I feel God is saying, He's ready to, um, God is saying fresh roots are going out of good works and grace. Fresh roots of going, are going out of good works and grace coming out of you again. Tell yourself, you're, we're going upward together. We're going upward together. Now, after I teach these sorts of things, I feel it is my duty to display to you the nature of our Heavenly Father. Because when we're saying be rooted in God, we wa you want to know who you're getting rooted in? You've got to hear. I read this book. It's called An Eye for Miracles. I, I do things that build my faith. If I'm feeling a little low in any area, we're human, right? I don't mope. It's not my nature. You can ask anyone around me. But I get myself I stir up my faith. I listen to music. I march around my house proclaiming the word of God. And I refuse to be refused, we say. I'm not going to tolerate that. We have an assignment, a mandate from heaven. So we, I stir myself up. So this week I got this book out of the garage. It's by Dr. Paul Risser, who was the president of Foursquare for a season. He used to come and speak at our church in Seal Beach. One thing I remember about Dr. Risser is he was with us one time, Joel and I, at Mimi's Cafe, and he said, what's all this with parents putting their kids in time out? What's time out? He's like, in my generation, it was lights out, you know? <laughs> There's no time out. You got your lights knocked out, you know? He was a man's man. There was no joking with Dr. Risser. But I want to tell you that we have a good God. He is so faithful. And I want to share a testimony with you from this book because it'll stir your faith. And it, I'm telling you, it'll so inspire you of who our God is and who we're rooting in. We're talking about putting down roots. And some of us need to put down roots in Jesus. You know, you put down your roots in him for salvation. And then we put down roots in the local church. But some of us get uprooted. The enemy comes. He's gotten at your root system. You've gotten a little bit like to and fro. You're longing for the biosphere because you're not feeling strong in the wind. But God is saying, it's time to put your roots down again. I have strength for you. And one of my favorite verses in the message says, we're not strengthened for status. When God strengthens you, it's for service. Because part of what helps you put down roots is be active in the body of Christ. We got gifts in this room. Every person in this room that is born again of God has a supernatural gift that is for the body of believers. If you're here, 
You have a gift that was supernaturally given to you by God, and we are here to help you find your purpose. We're here for destination. We want people saved, but we're here for destiny too, which is you living out your calling on the earth. So listen, chapter four of this book, An Eye for Miracles, and we'll close. Where's my girl? This is so good. I just cried like a baby. I cry all the time. We're weepers here. Even the men cry. I'm in a leadership cohort, and they said, when women cry, it's perceived as weakness, but when men cry, it's tender. I said, I don't care. Either way. I'll cry. You cry. We all cry. I have nothing to prove. Right? I don't care. You can think I'm weak. The weak say I'm strong. Let the weak say. But we're just tender before the Lord. There's just something going on in this church when we talk about the things of God. We're experiencing a sort of personal revival. I could almost say God's bringing fresh roots in people. And roots feel good. They're strong. They're fortified. So listen to this testimony. This doesn't have to do with roots. This is to display the nature of the one we're rooting in. Dr. Risser says, I heard from Dorothy, a missionary nurse who tells the story best in her own words. One night, I had worked hard to help a mother in the labor ward, but in spite of all we could do, she died, leaving us with a tiny premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. We would have difficulty keeping the baby alive as we had no incubator. We had no electricity to run an incubator. We also had no special feeding facilities. Although we lived on the equator, nights were often very chilly with treacherous drafts. One student midwife went for the box we had for such babies and the cotton wool that the baby would be wrapped in. Another went to stoke up the fire and fill a hot water bottle. She came back shortly in distress to tell me that in filling the bottle, it had burst. Rubber perishes easily in tropical climates. And it was our last hot water bottle, she exclaimed. As in the West, it is no good crying over spilled milk. So in Central Africa, it might be considered no good crying over a burst water bottle. They do not grow on trees, and there are no drugstores down forest pathways. All right, I said, put the baby as near the fire as safely as you safely can and sleep between the baby and the door to keep it from drafts. Your job is to keep the baby warm. The following noon, as I did most days, I went to have prayer with any of the orphanage children who chose to gather with me. I gave the youngsters various suggestions of things to pray about. I told them about the tiny baby, explaining our problem and keeping the baby warm enough. Mentioning the hot water bottle and that the baby could easily die if it got chills, I also told them of the two-year-old baby sister crying because her mother had died. During prayer time, one 10-year-old girl, Ruth, prayed with the usual blunt conciseness of our African children. Please, God, she prayed, send us a hot water bottle today. It'll be no good tomorrow, God, as the baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. While I gasped inwardly at the audacity of the prayer, she added, and while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? And so happened often with children's prayer, I was put on the spot. Could honestly I say to amen to such a bold petition? Frankly, I just didn't believe that God could do this. Oh yes, I know that the Bible says he can do everything. The Bible does say this, but there are limits of what one can expect, right? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending me a parcel from the homeland. Not very likely. I had been here four years and never received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send me a parcel, who would put in it a hot water bottle and a doll? Halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching in the nurse's training school, I received a message that a car had pulled up. 
at my front door. By the time I reached home, the car had gone, and there on the veranda was a 22-pound parcel. With tears pricking my eyes, I felt I could not open the parcel alone. I sent for the orphanage children. Together, we pulled off the string. Carefully undoing each knot, we folded the paper, tearing, care, taking care not to tear it. Excitement was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on that box. From the top, I lifted out brightly colored knitted jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I gave them out. Then there were the knitted bandages for the leprosy patients, and the children looked a little bored. Then came a box of mixed raisins. That would make a batch of buns for the weekend. Then as I put my hand in, could it really be? I grasped the object and pulled it out. Yes, it was a brand new rubber hot water bottle. I just sat there and wept. I hadn't even asked God to send it. I had truly not believed that he would or could. Little Ruth was in the front row of the children. She rushed forward crying out, if God sent the water bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautiful dress doll. Her eyes shone. She had never doubted. Looking up at me, she asked, can I go over with you now to give the dolly to that little girl so she'll know that Jesus really loves her? Of course, I replied. That parcel had been on its way to our mission station for five whole months, packed up by my former Sunday school class, whose leader had heard and obeyed God, his prompting to send a hot water bottle, even to the equator. And one of the girls had put in a dolly for an African child five months before in answer to the believing prayer of a 10-year-old to bring it that afternoon. Isaiah 65, 24 says, before they call, I will answer. That is our God. That is who you're rooting again in today. If you got to root again, that is who we call on. It says in 2 Chronicles, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Whatever you're facing, any situation, it says, before they call, I will answer them. Let's stand to our feet and close. God is faithful. He sees your prayers. He's doing a work in your hearts. He sees those things that you are crying out for. He is not distant from your cries. He is a faithful God. If he could answer Ruth's prayer in Central Africa, the blunt, audacious prayer of a 10-year-old, he hears you this morning.